The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We're going to talk about why the Brewers' hot April matters. We're going to also talk about DeAndre Hopkins and the Green Bay Packers, Dan Orlovsky's suggestion, why it is not an option. We need to stop living in fantasy world. Lastly, we'll give a quick thoughts on Bucks celtics Game 2, and then we'll ride out of here. Maybe a review of Batman, I'm not sure. Um, I have a couple of little Chuck's Corner things, so maybe... I'll do that at the end. Um, if there's time, um, don't want to keep you guys too long. Um, make sure that you're following along on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter. We'll be talking Buck Celtics all night. Probably a little bit of Brewers, Reds, maybe dashed in there as well. Um, also, uh, make sure that you're following us on other channels like Instagram, uh, tapping the keg sports, as well as TikTok, tapping the keg sports, Facebook. Not there as much, but I'm promising you we'll get back there. So tapping the keg sports there as well. Um, if you aren't a big fan of social media for some reason. I don't know if you, more power to you because I'm on there all the time. Uh, make sure you're following along on Apple or Spotify. Subscribe, please. Uh, we'd appreciate it. Um, make sure you're rating and reviewing. If you don't want to rate or review, at least share it to some friends. Um, I care more about you telling everybody about what we're doing here uh, versus uh, sharing it out with, or I'm sorry, versus rating and reviewing. I want you to share it. I don't want you not to share it. So please share out. We appreciate all the support as always. Okay, let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers hot April. So Milwaukee Brewers started off the month of April with a complete bang. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers had one of their best Aprils in franchise history. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers were 15 and seven. Uh, they were eight games over 500. Uh, they had a pace of 89 wins, which is pretty good. Um, I wouldn't say that's going to guarantee you a playoff spot but it'd be pretty damn close the nl is not bad this year i think the nl is competitive i think the nl west is really good i think the nl east has a chance to be good uh, especially because the marlins are a little bit better than expected at least to start the year we'll see if it's sustainable and the nl central at least has the brewers and the cardinals so 89 wins might not get you to the playoffs but it's at least a good jumping off point. And some people could point out it's early. Some people could point out the Brewers is the lack of competition. The Brewers, remember, got fat on the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you could say they got a little fat on the Cubs. And they've gotten fat on teams who aren't going to be that good this year. It doesn't matter. You play the schedule that's in front of you, right? You play the schedule that's in front of you. And those are months where you should take advantage. You should make sure that you are winning these games and that you are bolstering your record. So then if you lose two out of three against the Atlanta Braves, while it would be concerning, at least then you have the Reds and Pirates success to fall back on. Now, I do think you need to perform against those better teams because I think that can be an indication of what October might look like, as we saw last year. But regardless, you want to win these games. These are games that you should be winning. I think it was Mitch on last Happy in the Keg said, well, I'd be concerned if they weren't, you know, having a good record in the month of April. Like if the Brewers were 500 right now, I think there would be some legitimate panic and I'd, I think it would be warranted, right? Like I think it'd be warranted to worry a little bit about the Brewers and say you had a pretty easy month and you stumbled out the gate. So what are you, what's going to happen when you have a harder month? Are you just going to naturally be better. There are certain months that are better for the Brewers if you go back and do the research because I did for this topic and it seems like Milwaukee has decent Aprils. I wouldn't say it's every April's good, 
but it seems like they really flourish in June. You know about September. You know about Craig Timber. Uh, August tends to be a decent month for the Brewers as well. So it's like they do have these months where they kind of hit their stride. And I don't know if that's because it's the level of competition. I'm not going that deep into it. We're not getting that granular. Or it's the fact that Milwaukee has more research in front of them, more things to sort of diagnose and figure out and be like, all right, what, why are we do? what are we doing? Like, how are we doing better? How are we doing worse? What is that, that that's going on? So if you take a look at the Brewers and their sort of hot start and why it's important, you kind of look at the other successful years in front of them and you say, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Um, if we're just using the council era, throwing out 2020, because God knows that was a mess of a season, in 2021, the Brewers were six games over 500 to start the month of April. They then were two under um, in May. Remember, as we pointed out when we were a little bit worried about the Brewers at the start of this year, the Brewers were 550 games into the season. They were 25 and 25. Then the Brewers won 100 games because they had three huge months. Like they had June and August were massive. And then you had April, which was kind of like the supporting actor of their big season. So they had two more big months in front of them. And that's what propelled them to 100 wins. Now, 2019 is an example where the Brewers didn't really have anything going. They were kind of a 500 baseball team until the month of September, where they were 13 games over 500. And they got themselves into the final wildcard spot. I think 2018 is a good example of a situation where you only need two good months. So you only have like, let's say they have April and August, right? Let's just say those are the two months. You're probably gonna net out with about 95-ish wins. Uh, for the Brewers that year, May and September were the two months where they were really, really good. Remember the Brewers were to force a playoff with the, or I'm sorry, with the Chicago Cubs and for the right to win the division or have to play the Rockies in a one-game playoff. They won that game, um, and then the Cubs were to lose to the Rockies, and we had Brewers-Rockies. Remember, we were very close to having Brewers-Cubs in that playoff series. I'm kind of glad we didn't because, man, the amount of narratives, the amount of shit people would have talked in that would have been off the charts. 2014 is a good example of how it can all kind of go wrong for, for a team with a hot start. So the Brewers were really good in the month of April. They had the second best record in franchise history. Um, and then they had actually a pretty hot June as well. So it looked like this team was going to be a playoff team. It looked like they were going to get back to the playoffs for the first time in three years, that they were going to win the division. That was kind of this cyclical thing because the Brewers had got to the playoffs in 20, 2008. Brewers had got to the playoffs in 2011. So it was just kind of like, all right, this is their time. And you see this a lot with small markets, especially in baseball, where they kind of do these cycles because guys leave because of free agency. You get prospects that come up and it kind of just cycles through. You've seen this a little bit with Miami, right? As we mentioned earlier, like they are two games. This is now two years after they made it in the bubble. Um, and you're starting to see some of that success come through and they have really talented guys like Pablo Lopez, he didn't pitch well last night, but he's good. Jazz Chisholm's a stud. Uh, Max Meyer is going to come up soon. He's really good. Like they have guys. They're a pretty talented team, like underrated kind of decent team that I think will end up being in the playoff contention. I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to contend for a wild card spot when it's all said and done in the month of September. But anyways... 
Uh, the, back to 2014, as we tangent it off, the Brewers then would lose three straight months, and they had bad. Like, those were three really bad months. And I, I'm kind of thinking about different stuff to do when I'm in Mexico, and I almost want to do, like, a what-if for 20, 2014 for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I might, I'm going to add it to the hopper. Like, I have a draft idea. I'm going to do a schedule thing. Um, and maybe we added what if 2014 and who knows, maybe some bucks recaps, maybe not. Um, we'll just sort of see what happens. Stay tuned on that front, but yes, the Brewers 2014 is a very interesting season about how it all can go wrong in a baseball season. I don't think that's what we have to worry about with this team. I think this team is built for success. I think they have a pitching staff that is absolutely electric. I think the Brewers can really make a push into the playoffs this year. They need a little more help offensively. I think with Luis Urias back, I think we're going to get a really good idea of what this Brewers offense looks like. I'd hope that they can stay healthy for like two weeks, three weeks, so we can really get a full view of what this Brewers offense is meant to be. And you're going to have challenges. Like you play Atlanta twice in the month of May. You play Miami. Like it'll be a good, I think you play San Diego later in the month. Um, it's going to be a good month to kind of get an idea of what the Brewers are. Um, I think this is definitely a month where you can def- you can see where the Brewers' success lies or it doesn't. And if the Brewers struggle, then maybe there's some questions of, is this team overrated? Maybe I'm coming to you at the start of June talking about the potential overrated p- possibility for the Brewers and that they're bolstered by the division, which is something I have mentioned before on this podcast. They also have St. Louis in that mix and Chicago. They have a daunting road trip, actually. Um, And I think we mentioned this on Tapping the Keg. The Brewers have to play 11 straight games on the road starting on May 23rd. They don't get back to Milwaukee till June the 2nd. That's wild. Um, And they play San Diego. They have to go out to San Diego for three days. Like It's just a road trip to San Diego without a day off. Also, mind you, they go their home to Washington and then they go right out to San Diego and they play three games in San Diego and then do not get a day off, have to play St. Louis in St. Louis, and then they got to go to Chicago uh, for a Memorial Day series and I think a doubleheader. So it's a it's an added game to the mix. Like it's absolutely daunting uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers and that is upcoming. Uh, May 9th, They have a day off on May 19th and then they do not have a day off until, let's see, until June 6th at home. So that's, I mean, that's a quite the stretch for the Brewers. And that's one of those survive in advance uh, stretches. So that being said, as we transition to this week, like beat Cincinnati, right? Like beat up on Cincinnati Reds. Like this is definitely a week to take advantage of a Reds team that is God awful. Uh, They've had three wins this year. Joey Vado's talking about retirement. You have six of the next nine games against this Reds team. Truth be told, I am a little nervous about this series. And you're like, Charlie, why are you nervous about a team that has won three games? Well, I think the Reds are at the point of no return where this is embarrassing and that at some point you're going to have to play for pride. You're clearly not going to be a playoff team this year. You're clearly going to be lucky to win 70 games. Your franchise, your team hates your fan, your your fans hate your team. Maybe not your team. They hate your owner. They don't want to show up. They kind of see probably what Oakland's doing, right? Oakland had less than 3,000 fans in their stadium yesterday for their Tampa Bay game. Oakland's boycotting the ownership. And I wouldn't be surprised if Reds do the exact same thing. 
You have a Reds fan who talked on Reddit about how he's going to take a dump in the Toyota Tundra truck. Yes, the guy is going to take a literal shit in the truck bed. I don't think it's going to happen. I would imagine there's going to be a lot of security. It's one of those things where you talk about it on Reddit, it goes viral. And then, you know, obviously the Reds are made aware of it. Um, but maybe he'll defecate somewhere else in the, uh, in the Great American Ballpark. But still, the Reds fans have had it with this baseball team. And so I do wonder if there's going to be a sense of pride for Cincinnati. Um, you, they definitely have their three best pitchers, quote-unquote, um, going for the Brewers against the Brewers this weekend. Uh, week you have Tyler Molly against Brandon Woodruff. Molly has been bad this year. He's terrible against lefties. Um, so you have Christian Yelich obviously could have himself a big day. Roddy Telez. Um, so don't be surprised. Colton Wong, who's kind of got going recently, and Woodruff has been very good at home. Uh, he has struggled a little bit on the road um, with the Pittsburgh and the Chicago start, but he's been awesome on the road. Freddie Peralta against Vladimir Gutierrez. Gutierrez was pretty good against the Brewers last year. Uh, Peralta had a really nice start again uh, in Pittsburgh. So hopefully he can kind of keep that up. Maybe those first inning woes at the start of the year are over. And then you have Adrian Hauser against Hunter Green. Hunter Green is their hot prospect. He's struggled a little bit, but he's a strikeout guy. Um, and that always worries me. And when you're seeing a guy for the first time, usually the Brewers make out those dudes to look like Cy Young. So we'll see what happens. Um, it'll be a good weekend for the Brewers, or a good week for the Brewers. I don't, I don't know why I'm already thinking about Friday and Saturday. Uh, long way away to Friday and Saturday. So, but yes, um, hopefully they can get it done. This is definitely a series where you need to win two out of three. It'd be very disappointing if you do anything worse than that. Moving on to the topic that Dan Orlovsky brought up uh, on NFL Live yesterday. Sometimes I think guys do this because they, you know, they have a job to do, right? They have to talk about different things. They have to throw around different ideas. And so Dan Orlowski of ESPN suggested that the Packers should trade for DeAndre Hopkins. That DeAndre Hopkins should be on the table for the Green Bay Packers. Orlowski's point is they have to pay Hollywood Brown. They have to pay Kyler Murray. That they don't have the money to pay everybody. And that DeAndre Hopkins is a potential trade piece, even though he's suspended for the first six games of the season. It's an interesting point by Dan, but I do not think it's a player of interest for the Green Bay Packers, and here's kind of why. First of all, you're only going to get Hopkins for 11 games plus the playoffs. His contract isn't bad this year. It's $4 million. It's very affordable. You can definitely fit DeAndre Hopkins' contract in the cap. Like That's not a problem. Problem comes after, which we'll get to in a second here, but you're only getting this guy for 11 games, and then you're maybe getting him for the playoffs. He didn't even play 11 games last season. He only played 10 games, but that was kind of an anomaly. Andre, DeAndre Hopkins is a pretty healthy guy. He misses one or two games. He's always like on the injured list. I think you just assume that DeAndre Hopkins is kind of an injury-prone guy. He always has a nag in something or another. But he seems to play every every game. Like the guy's kind of a freak that way, where it doesn't really bother him. He only missed time. He's only missed like one game, other than this season. Like this this last year was an anomaly. Now you could wonder if it's because he's getting a little older. Like he's twenty nine, and maybe 
you know, that body is wearing down. Maybe that's a reason why he was taking something that was a performance enhancer. Uh, we talked about this with Ryan Braun years ago about how Ryan Braun took things to make sure that his calf injury wasn't going to be a problem and carry the Brewers into the playoffs. People forget this. People just ignore this fact that Ryan Braun was helping the Brewers win a division title with taking steroids. And it wasn't that, it wasn't even steroids, it was HGH. And so I would assume that a lot of the stuff that DeAndre Hopkins was doing was injury management. It was trying to make sure that he stayed on the football field. It didn't work. Um, obviously, uh, Hopkins was was a, missed some time and did not play in the playoffs. So that be going back to the Green Bay Packers, you have him for 11 games. You would then have him for the playoffs. The Green Bay Packers should be the favorites in the division overwhelmingly. I don't think there's a team that is close to sniffing the Packers jockstrap in the NFC North. So you're probably guaranteed a playoffs, playoff appearance that, that set. So yes, getting Hopkins back would be great, but I also look at that wide receiver room and it's pretty fucking full. Like, we have Alan Lazard, we have Randall Cobb, we have Sammy Watkins, we just added Christian Watson, we added Romeo Dobbs. Like, we have a lot of guys in that locker room right now. You have Jawan Winfrey and Malik Taylor. Like, there are a lot of dudes in that room. So would the idea be that you would trade a guy like Alan Lazard? Would it be, which, again, I don't know if you understand, if people who are thinking this way, I don't know if they understand the Green Bay Packers and the fact that Lazard is needed for blocking. Um, would you trade a guy like Christian Watson or Dubs? Like, why would you trade a guy that you just drafted? Like, again, it's not really the NBA. Like, that to me is an NBA trade where you would trade a guy who you just got or baseball. Um, it's it's not those sports. Those You brought those guys in for a reason because you believe that they can contribute. The other thought of this is like, why would Arizona help Green Bay? I swear to God, we do not think of it this way. Like, we just want to throw things out there. Again, Orlovsky has a job to do. I get it. But, like, why would the Arizona Cardinals want to help the Green Bay Packers? Like, can someone answer me that question? Like, they play in the same conference. Arizona is figuring to be a playoff team next year. They figure to be on the same tier as the Green Bay Packers. I don't think they are, but I'm saying that's how they perceive themselves. It's very classic because they have a bunch of short guys that they think of themselves a lot bigger than they are. But I digress. <laughs> but seriously, like, why would Arizona help the Green Bay Packers? It's back to that Debo Samuel point, which we all got excited about Debo Samuel. We all got our, our dicks hard about it. And again, it's like, they are not going to help us. They're not just going to be like, here's Debo Samuel. Unless we pay like an extreme premium for Debo Samuel. Unless we give them Jair Alexander. Do you want to give up Jair Alexander? That's probably what would would take to get DeAndre Hopkins. Honestly. Like, if we're really thinking about this, it would probably mean that you would send back a legitimate player to the Arizona Cardinals. They're not helping us. All right? They just aren't. So get that out of your head. Now, could DeAndre Hopkins go to, like, a New England Patriots who need a receiver? Yeah. I, I think that's on the table. If they wanted to trade him, like I do think that the New England Patriots would be a, be a potential opportunity, right? Or if they wanted to trade him to the Cleveland Browns. I'm just throwing out names. Not I, Again, this is just like ideas, right? I'm not Orlowski. Like I don't have actual thought, but I'm thinking about teams who might be aggressive and want a receiver. That would be Those would be actual opportunities. The Browns, I don't think, have any picks available. The other thing, too, he still owed $33 million. His base salary for the next two years. You do have an out. You could basically say, all right, we're going to we're gonna cut you loose and 
goodbye and it's just basically a rental, which if Green Bay wants to do, more power to them. If they're going year by year and that's the thought process, I'm okay with that. You do inherit a lot of dead cap when that happens, but I actually don't know if that dead cap is because or is Arizona because they would still pay his bonus. So they would still pay his bonus. They would just... The Packers would just have to pay that base salary, but that base salary is thirty-three fucking million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's not that's not something that is like chump change. And we agree that the salary cap is fake and that it can be manipulated, and you can figure your ways around it. But you still have to pay Jair Alexander. You still have to pay Elton Jenkins. So if your plan is to not pay either of those guys, then yeah, maybe you can bring DeAndre Hopkins in. And oh by the way, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage. They're coming around the corner for needing new deals as well. So it's not like these deals are going away. The consequence of drafting well is that guys are going to need money. Like If you have successful guys in the draft, they're going to need money. It's why the draft and develop process can be infuriating for some fans because it's like we get these guys, we develop them into stars, and then we lose them in free agency. You can't pay everybody, but the Green Bay Packers, I think, are going to try I think if you were to discuss Gary versus Savage, I would say it's Gary nine times out of ten. But we, again, that's we're way too early into that process. We don't need to debate that topic. So back to Hopkins, like I just don't see the pathway through because I don't think Arizona is going to help Green Bay. I think Hopkins' contract is a lot bigger than people are giving it credit for. It's a fun Tuesday topic when there's not a ton going on. Uh, but I don't necessarily think it's a legitimate possibility. I think basically this is Debo Light. Lastly, on the Bucks and Celtics this evening, uh, we will have a recap pretty much right after the game. Maybe not immediately after, but we will definitely uh, get on the ones and twos to talk Bucks Celtics um, tonight uh, after they play. Uh, the Bucks are in a house money spot. We talk about house money all the time. We talk about the opportunities for house money. House money is the best thing as a sports fan. There is nothing better because you feel a sense of relaxation. Um, and I don't necessarily think the Bucks need to win this game. Um, they could be great. It'd be unbelievable. But I don't necessarily expect Milwaukee to win. I think that they, I'd be very surprised if they do. It is a great feeling. It's just a great feeling. And it's one of those things where it's like, all right, you can kind of play loose. And maybe that's the attitude that the Bucks are going to go into this game with is that they're going to play with sort of a, who who cares? Like we win this game, awesome. If we don't, uh, not a huge deal. And sometimes that I worry about that because the Bucks are a team that needs to be focused. So I do wonder if the lack of focus will catch up to the Bucks, and that's how Boston wins this game. I expect Boston to attack the paint. I expect them to try to get fouls on Giannis, Bobby, Brooke Lopez, like, I think they're going to really make that an emphasis. I will imagine that they try to do a little bit more in the mid-range, you know, kind of Chris Paul-esque, uh, see what was done, you know, when Phoenix was successful, how do how do they do that? Um, what are different things that Atlanta did? Even the Nets, like, how, how were they successful in those games? I don't think Chicago is good tape. Now, the Bucs also worked on forcing Tatum and Brown left. Similarly to the DeMar DeRozan game plan where they made him go left and they forced the issue and it made them uncomfortable. I do imagine that they're going to have different things, 
you know, in terms of pressure. I will be surprised if you see more Derek White. I actually think Derek White, while a liability in times in terms of shooting the basketball, I think Derek White's their only point guard. And I think the fact that they need a point guard out there is a real problem for Boston in the long term of this series. So I also I also wonder if Giannis is going to have a major game with Emma Udoka saying that they're not going to double Giannis as much. Like, I, I don't think that's going to work out well for them. Like, Giannis is a guy that can beat anybody. Giannis is the best player on that court. And Giannis could have an absolutely massive performance, and it might be enough to beat Boston. It might be enough. They might come up on top and have a 2-0 lead heading to Milwaukee. I would be very surprised, though, if that happens because it's it's just basketball, right? It's just a long series. Like, we expect this to be a long series. We don't expect the Bucks to win in five. We don't expect the Bucks to sweep the Celtics. We expect this to be a six or seven game series. And if it is a six or seven game series, the assumption here is that Boston will hard serve. I think as Bucks fans, we're a little bit in no man's land with what to do here. Because A, the Bucks have not led 1-0 in any of their road series that they've had, whether it was against the Nets, whether it was against the Suns. Um, you know, they haven't been in this position. So, I mean, it's kind of like uncharted waters. Like last time, the Bucks were down 0-1 to Phoenix, 0-1 to Brooklyn. They got their asses handed to them by the Nets. The Suns pretty much handed it to them as well um, in that series to go down, and they were up 2-0. So in those scenarios, the Bucks were definitely, you know, the hunty. Now I will say this, if the Bucks go up 2-0, they have to do everything in their power to make this a short series. At that point then, the motivation changes. Everything changes for the Bucks if it's 2-0. If it's 2-0, you are making sure it gets the 3-0. And then you're saying to Boston, all right, you, ex- you expect them to put up a hell of a fight in game number four, and then it's 2-1, and then again, or 3-1, and you're pretty much in a house money spot heading back to Boston. You would like to not make sure it goes to six, but you should be able to get it done. I think people underestimated the Bucks heading into this series because of, of the Bulls. It's kind of weird how this happened. Like, just hearing some of the reaction after the Bucks game on Monday, it was like, we underestimated the Bucs because they played the Bulls. Because we said the Bulls were the worst team in the playoffs. I said that. I mean, I, I'm not, like, it, it wasn't just you know, the national media. Like, I said that as well. I wouldn't even call myself part of the media. I would say I'm a, I, like, toe the line between media and fan. But anyways, um, so I said that too. Like, we had, we definitely had a conversation about that, okay? Um, so that's number one. Number two is the Nets were an inflated sense of they were this great team because they had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Like, that was a team that was put on a pedestal that probably shouldn't have been there. They probably should not have had the pedestal that the Nets were on. Um, and that came back to, you know, bite Boston a little bit. I expect a very hungry Boston team. I expect a Boston team that is going to try to throw some different things at Milwaukee. We'll see if it works. They could do a scenario where they basically say, all right, honest, we're going to let you get 45 points but we're going to cut off everything else. We're going to shut down Drew Holiday. We're going to shut down your collection of wings. We're going to shut down Bobby Portis. I don't know if they have enough guys to do that. I, I really don't. But I could see something like that for the Celtics. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what Boston does. We'll see if Boston comes back to life or if we're getting the December Celtics again. And maybe this Boston team was overrated all along. 
and that they got fat against bad teams. I'll just I will just lob this out there, and I know you're gonna call me a homer. That's fine, but I did mention this when we when Boston was you know coming along. Maybe I didn't mention it on the podcast. I certainly mentioned it in some group chats with some friends. Is like Boston had a really hot stretch, and they were basically getting fat on teams that were either tanking or teams that had guys out with injury. They had they took advantage of their schedule. And so I do wonder if there was a little bit of an inflation because of the schedule that Boston played. We'll see tonight if the Boston Celtics are real or not. If the January to April stretch was real or if it was inflated. If it was inflated by a easier schedule and if really the December team was what the Celtics were all along. Okay, we got a little time for Chuck's Corner, so we'll do uh, some quick Chuck's Corner stuff. Uh, uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about, and I mention now sometimes this podcast, is my therapy. Um, and I like to talk about my things, talk about problems. I've, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, by the way, um, so make sure you're checking your mentals. Um, but this isn't really like a huge mental health thing. It's more of a, a fear of blogging, um, if you will. Uh, I blogged for a long time. I've blogged since I was, I think, 18. Um, I used to get made fun of for it. Um, people thought it was like a, a joke at times. Um, and then people started to respect it, and that was that was really cool. And that was a real sense of accomplishment. And then I saw the rise of Barstool. I saw the rise of Grantland. I was kind of alongside. I never threw my hat in that ring, and I probably regret that. I probably will regret that till the day I die. But that's okay. That's life. We have we all have regrets. We have all have regrets about God knows so many things, right? Those are just two that I can pinpoint. And at, and at some point, you know, you never know. Um, people could see my writing. People could see my podcast. People could end up, you know, finding me and saying, "All right, this guy deserves a chance." I would hope that. I'd be blessed. That would be the ultimate goal. That's why I keep doing this. All right, like it, it is something that I hope for. Um, and I have to do a better job of getting myself out there and promoting myself and not being afraid of rejection. But that is another topic for another day, another therapy session, if you will. So when it comes to blogging, it's something I did for a long time and then I stopped. And the reason I stopped is because I was having trouble managing my time. Like I was having trouble, you know, understanding that I could, I could podcast, but I also blog and blogging is easier. Like, I don't necessarily need to be, like, the most awake to blog, to podcast, excuse or no, to blog, excuse me. And it's like, I can do that, like, 11 o'clock at night, feel good, feel like, all right, I, I don't have to be on 100%. When I'm podcasting, like, I have to have all my shit together. And it was just a matter of I didn't have that much time. And that I was, you know, missing out on this. And part of it was I was getting married. Part of it was I just started, you know, obviously my marriage with my wife and, you know, making sure that I was taking care of stuff around the house or errands or walking the dog, like all this other shit that prevented me from maybe blogging. But also I didn't know what my voice was when I, before I stopped blogging, it was like, I was doing things like what could go viral, what could get us the most page views and not necessarily kind of finding my content pillars, if you will. Um, and that's more of a marketing term. But seriously, like I didn't necessarily have a direction. So I think, you know, going forward and looking at it, I'm going to do a sort of a audit, if you will, 
uh, this week to kind of figure out what my voice is and then come back after I return from Mexico. I think it'd be foolish for me to start blogging this week and be like, hey guys, I'm back, and then not necessarily have this voice. Now, the other thing is, is I, I just got a note like from SiteGround where it's like, yeah, we you have 30 days and you got to renew. So it, it, there is that challenge of do I renew or do I start something completely new? And it's kind of the third or fourth iteration of Tapping the Keg Sports. I don't know. Um, I would love to just call it tappingthekeg.com um, and not have the sports on top of it. But I think you also need the sports because Tapping the Keg sounds like a beer. Like it sounds like we're doing beer. It sounds like we're... We're doing some sort of alcohol base. So sports adds a, a little bit of an element there. And feedback's welcome here, right? Like uh, feedback is definitely welcome. Um, I would definitely take suggestions, definitely take things where you're like, I haven't seen this before. I'd love to see this. Um, so definitely hit me up, whether it is tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram. I would love to hear your ideas. Um, I'm all ears on that front. All right, the other uh, we, we won't do Batman today. I was like, I was like, ah, let's do Batman. Nah, I'll do Batman. I'll save Batman for another thing because I do want to talk about Batman. I think it was an awesome movie, um, and I wanted to give my review. I also want to do something on country music. Um, after seeing the stuff out of Stagecoach, I was like, man, country music concerts are fucking fun. Um, and maybe that's something we can do in the Shotsky um, tomorrow um, when we have that. All right. Back tomorrow, we will recap the Bucks and Celtics. Might talk a little bit about the Brewers and Reds if it's worth t- mentioning. Um, I'm terrified we're going to lose that game today. I don't know why, but I just have a bad feeling. At some point, the Reds have to win, right? You can't just be this bad for this long. Um, so I hope the Brewers aren't the team where they start winning baseball games. Um, and we'll also um, do the Wisconsin Shotsky. And maybe that's a good time to talk about Batman, too. So we'll, uh, we'll do all of that and much more. Um, so I hope you guys join us tomorrow. I hope you guys are joining us every day. Like I said, share this podcast with your friends. Tell, us, tell them what we're all about. Um, explain to them we're a little bit different than your what you listen to on the radio, what you read in the blogs, what you read. And while everybody does good work, I just think we're a little different than everybody else. And I think that's what makes us great. I think that's why we have people that keep, keep coming back to us, that keep listening to us. So invite your friends to listen to this podcast. I'd really appreciate it. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Tuesday. Stay dry and we'll uh, talk tomorrow. See you. Bye.